I'll ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. As we continue here in our series through the book of Exodus, entitled, I Am Still Is. We serve a God who's not just the God of the past, and he's not just the God of the future, he's the God of the present, the right here, right now, and he works in your life and mine each and every day. Exodus chapter 12, and uh, we're going to be covering tonight verse 29 through the end of the chapter, but I want to uh, just kind of introduce the, the setting here by going back to verse 21 and starting our reading there. What has happened is the plagues have come against Egypt. The night of the death of the firstborn has come and God has given Israel his instruction for how they can find safety and deliverance from this final plague. And it's not because they were not guilty. It's not because they uh, were not deserving of the penalty of death, but God provided, provided a way to escape the penalty of death. And that is by the application of the blood of a spotless lamb. So let's look at Exodus chapter 12, verse number 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto you, unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised. Watch this, that ye shall keep this service, this service. Now, let's go down. So he explains it, that you're going to tell this to your children. Let's look at verse 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Rise up, and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, watch this, serve the Lord, as ye have said." Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children and a mixed multitude went up also with them and flocks and herds and even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went up out from Egypt, uh, out from the land of Egypt. 
It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and an hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh out of the house. Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is home-born, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. The title of our message tonight is this, the journey from serving Egypt to serving God. The journey from serving Egypt to serving God. Every trip that we take has a departure and an arrival. Mentioned that tomorrow morning, our ladies are going to be making the journey from uh, here to Roswell, New Mexico. There's a place of departure and there's a place of arrival, but there's this long space of about seven to eight hours in between that departure and that arrival. Then that space is going to include some stops for gas. It's going to include some uh, stops for some snacks or some food. It's going to include some conversation. It might even include some naps along the way. And so there's this departure, there's this arrival, but then you got this space in between that we call the journey, the journey. And so every single take, uh, trip that we take, it begins with a departure, it ends with an arrival, and it includes the journey. Israel is about to embark on a journey, and just like every journey that we take, there is a departure, it begins with a departure, and then it ends with an arrival. And particularly, their departure is from Egypt, where they've been serving Pharaoh, a hard taskmaster for 430 years. And so God's plan for them is to depart Egypt, and his plan ultimately is for them to arrive in the land of Canaan. But before they come to the land of Canaan, his plan right now is for them to arrive at Mount Sinai, for them to arrive in the wilderness where they can serve the Lord their God, where they can serve Jehovah, the I am who has delivered them from Egypt. And so you've got the departure from Egypt and the arrival in, in the wilderness, the departure from serving Pharaoh, the arrival of serving God. But in between that departure and that arrival is a God ordained journey. What we have in our text this morning it is a command, uh, several commands really, and ordinances that God has put in place for the nation of Israel between the time they are serving Pharaoh and the time that they are serving God. He has a specific instruction for them and details what this journey will involve. What needed to take place for them to be set free from serving Egypt in order to serve God. The reality is for every one of us, we also have a departure and an arrival that God has in mind. That every one of us are birthed into this world just like Israel was into Egypt underneath a taskmaster, a hard taskmaster, and our taskmaster is sin. Our, our, our slave driver is our sin. It has us shackled. It has us bound. It has us oppressed and afflicted, and it keeps us from serving God 
Our sin keeps us from having a relationship with God. But can I tell you that God's desire is to free you from the tyrant of sin so you can serve the loving Lord. That is his plan for your life. And so that means that God has a departure and an arrival in mind for you. But just like it was true with Israel and just like it's true with us today, in between this departure and this arrival, this departure from serving sin and this arrival of serving God is this space called a journey. And this journey is a God-ordained journey that takes you from serving sin to serving him. That just like God had a specific plan in mind for the nation of Israel, he has a specific plan in mind for you to be free from sin to serve the Lord. The question is, what takes place between this departure and arrival? Uh, uh, How can you come to the place where you're no longer ruled and dominated and bound by your sin and by wickedness to where you are over here freely serving God? God. I want you to see from our text, first of all, that to serve God, you must be saved by the blood. You must be saved by the blood. We read here how Israel was freed to serve God after the fact that the blood was applied to the lintel and the doorposts of their home. And it was the blood of the lamb. It was what God had prescribed for them. The night of the Passover comes They've applied the blood over that home. And I can't imagine what it was like sitting down on the couch or the chair or whatever they sat on, just kind of anxiously wringing your hands. The threat of death has come over the land. We've done what God said to do. I don't know how this is going to go. They're anxiously awaiting to find out what's going to happen But then all of a sudden they begin to hear the shrieks and the cries and the screams from the Egyptians as they have have awoken in the middle of the night to discover the death of their firstborn. From Pharaoh's home to the captive in the dungeon, every home that did not have the blood applied upon the doorposts suffered the death of the firstborn. Along with that was the death of the firstborn uh, cattle and, and herds. But we need to understand this, that it wasn't firstborn babies. We're talking about firstborn in general, firstborn males in particular. How many of you are firstborn males in here tonight? I'm not. You're not a male. (laughs) Okay, we got a couple firstborn males here. Yeah, you'd be dead right now, even at this age. Every firstborn, every single home faced the death of the firstborn that night. Secularists might criticize God and say, how can a loving God smite the firstborn of Egypt? To that, I simply say this, how can a loving God let Egypt get away with what they did to Israel without serving justice? See, here's the truth of the matter. We all want justice until it's our turn to face it. Because the reality we have to admit is this, that if Egypt was guilty of sin and, God, and death was the penalty for that sin and justice was for the death of the firstborn because they killed all the Israelite babies and because Israel was God's firstborn, if, if that was justice for Egypt, then that means we too face the justice of God. And when it comes to us, when it comes to our judgment for our sin, we want God to be more loving than he is just. But the reality is that God's love is not seen in removing his justice. Because what if God did not judge Egypt? You know what we'd spend our time doing? Going off at them for what they did to Israel. But now because God did exact justice, now we go off at God because of what he did to Egypt and we completely forget about what Egypt did to Israel. And why is that? It's because when justice must be served, it means it must be served on us. And we want God to be merciful to us. We want God to be gracious to us. But God's love is not seen in removing his justice. God's love is seen in executing his justice on a substitute. On something other than you. And for Israel, that justice was served upon a spotless lamb. 
and on, on a lamb, that the lamb had to be slain and the lamb died in the place of the Israelites and the blood of that lamb was applied upon the doorposts and the lintel of those homes and thus God passed over them. Why? Because he served his justice, not on them, but on the lamb. And so, he, and so what this means is that God demonstrates his love for Israel in the way that he provides a substitute. And in the same way, justice for our sin has been served on another lamb, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, that as he hung on that cross and his arms were extended wide, expressing his love for you, and those hands were nailed to that cross and his feet were nailed to that cross and that crown was platted upon his head. And as the, the blood began to run down upon those timbers, God looked at that blood and he saw it as the justice for our sin. And the way John would say is not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Hey, God's Jesus atoning blood is not limited to any person. His atoning blood was made available to all who will place their faith in the blood of the lamb. The only way for Israel to be saved was by the blood of the lamb. There was no other way. And so that's what they have done. The death penalty comes and Pharaoh calls Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night and he, he tells them, I want you to get up, get all your stuff, take all your flocks, your herds, your children, take everything and I want you to just get out of here and bless me on the way out that all these plagues leave me alone. So I want you out of here. You go and you serve the Lord. And so the people begin to rush and it says that the Egyptians were urgent upon them lest they die also. He said, we don't know what's going to happen next. We want you guys out of here. And so they didn't have a whole lot of time to grab some stuff, just a little bit of clothes and that unleavened bread they had made the day before. They had to get out quick, but God wasn't going to let them go out empty. <laughs> he already said he was going to bring them out with great substance. And so they began to ask, hey, we're going to need some money along the way. Can, can we have some of your gold and silver? And they just <laughs> started giving it to him. It says that God gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Whatever they asked, whatever they needed, they just started giving to them. Here's some clothes. You need that? Sure. Here's some jewels of gold. You need that? Jewels of silver. Here, you need that? Uh, just, just take it out. So they grabbed their kneading uh, bowls and they grabbed their, their clothes and they grabbed these jewels and they started to head out and it says that they spoiled the Egyptians. You look at that and you say, well, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem just. You know, what does spoil mean? Well, the spoil is the word that they would use when they conquer a city. That it was, it was triumph. It was victory over an enemy. That they would begin to collect the spoil. They would begin to collect the booty and they would claim it for themselves as a sign of their complete victory. But let's also remind ourselves of this. Israel has been serving in hard bondage for 430 years without pay. And what God is doing is he's giving them the back pay for four and a half centuries. How, how is all this possible? <laughs> I mean, now they, they are rushed out of town. I mean, it was like they were, the, the Egyptians previously were holding on to them and Pharaoh was holding on to them and saying, no, you can't go. Okay, maybe you can. No, 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 no. And they kept pulling them back. Isn't that what sin does in our lives? That you want to go free and like that taskmaster it is, it cracks the whip and says, no, come back. It'll taste good. It'll feel good. It, it'll be nice for your life. It'll be better for you. And it just keeps pulling you, sucking you back in. And that's what Egypt was like. But no more. They're going out free and clear. And now they're no longer serving Pharaoh. They're free to go and serve God. And their freedom to go and serve God was facilitated by the blood of that lamb. See, freedom isn't free. It comes to the cost. Uh, freedom demands a sacrifice. The freedoms that we get to enjoy today as Americans is the result of thousands of soldiers on the frontiers and on the beaches of Normandy who laid down their lives for our freedom. That's why we have it today. And so too, 
The, the freedom that we have received from sin, from our taskmaster, from the bondage of sin, that freedom came at no cost to us, but it came at great cost to God. And that was the life of his own dear son who came and shed his blood on the cross. And God says, if you'll accept my son, I'll accept you. When you place your faith in that blood and that blood is applied to your life, God declares you righteous, guiltless, forgives you. I love the Bible word forgive. It means to release of all charges, to be treated just as though you were never guilty in the first place. That's how God treats you, but only one way. And that's the application of the blood of the lamb. See, and so if you're going to serve God, if you're going to experience this freedom from sin to be, be able to freely serve the Lord, you've got to be saved only by the blood, only by the blood of Jesus. So there are a lot of people who like to think that all paths lead to God that every religious system leads to God. But we see right here, plain and clear, that's not true. As long as Israel was held captive under Pharaoh and the Egyptian system of worship and the Egyptian paganism, the Egyptian gods, the Egyptian worship, as long as they were held under those religious systems, they could not go and serve God according to his word. They had to be free from it. And that's the same thing in our day. You cannot serve God while you're serving Muhammad. You cannot serve God while you're serving Buddha. You cannot serve God while you're serving the hundreds of millions of gods of Hinduism. You cannot serve God while you're searching for an inner self and an inner champion and an inner mystical God within you. No, no, there is one way to be freed from all that and to serve God, and that is by the blood of the Lamb. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. There is no other way. But the blessing is this. If you'll come before God tonight and acknowledge where you're at, that you're a slave to sin, held captive in its bondage, that you have no freedom, no ability to respond to God, to obey God, no desire for God, that if I acknowledge where I'm at, broken and bruised by sin, and you cry out to God recognizing Jesus is the only way of salvation, and you place your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and you can be freed from all that free from serving sin to serving him only by the blood of Jesus. I want you to notice with me what happens once you've been set free by the blood. And that is this, that if you're going to serve God, you got to leave your sinful life behind. You got to leave it behind. Would you look with me at verse 37? It says, and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses, that's where they were in Egypt in the land of Goshen, to Succoth, that is on the border of Egypt. And it says about 600,000 uh, on foot that were men beside children and probably women as well. So you're looking at a, a group of about at least 2 million people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's a mass exodus. And so you've got this massive group. And then on top of that, verse 38, it says in a mixed multitude, you know what that means? There were Africans, there were Persians, there were Arabians, there, there were Egyptians even that chose to go out. That there were some of them who applied the blood. That there were some of them who through the plagues came to believe. Now, I don't know about all these gods of Egypt, but the God of Israel, the I am is stronger than our God. And I'm going to believe on him and I'm going to anchor my soul to him. And they came to believe God and they went out with Israel. They go with much flocks and, and, and herds and cattle and they go out with their unleavened bread. Look at verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 long years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Tells them that this night, the Passover night, is a night to be much observed to the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the night to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. 
What you have here is you've got this mass people of, of, of probably around 2 million Jews plus the mixed multitude, which means a lot of people. Understand, this wasn't God just saving Israel. Anyone in Egypt could have been saved if they would have believed him. Pharaoh could have been saved if he would have believed God, but no, he refused God time and time and time again. Rejected him. So you got this huge multitude uh, that, that is going and they are now at the place where they have gone out of Egypt. See, God, God made the provision to break the chains of Pharaoh in their lives. And that was through the blood of the lamb. But once this Passover took place, if Israel would have just stayed there in Egypt, they still would have been bound by sin, even though they were freed from sin. You know what that means? That when they had the handcuffs on and God came and by the blood of the lamb broke those handcuffs on, they went down and picked them up and they put them back on. That's what they would have done if they'd have stayed in Egypt. And so for them to be free, to go out and serve God, they had to break their ties with Egypt. They had to leave Egypt in the past. See, the reality is this, that before you go to work for a new team, you got to leave the old team behind. Yesterday, the the Denver Broncos caught a veteran named Randy Gregory. He'd only been here for a couple years, but as he's been there, I'm sure his closet was full of blue and orange. Broncos sweaters and T-shirts and hats and hoodies. And I'm sure he had some of his jerseys from last year probably there at the house. So he's got all this blue and orange gear, and then all of a sudden he's cut loose. He's a free agent. It means he can go sign with anyone he wants to. Well, let's just say he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> you know, the ones that we don't like around here. And he boards a plane to Las Vegas and he lands there and he heads over to Allegiant Stadium. Can I tell you this? You know what he's not going to be wearing as he walks into that stadium? Blue and orange. <laughs> He's not going to walk in there with that blue and orange or that white and blue number five and strutting his Broncos stuff. No, no, that jersey, that hat, those hats, those, those beanies, those, those sweaters, they all got to be thrown in a dumpster and burned, right? See, you can't move forward with the new until you've let go of the old. The reality is this, that, that before you got saved, before you accepted Christ as your Savior, when you were bound by sin, you had all the gear of sin. You had all the bottles of sin. You had all the bongs of sin. You had all the pipes of sin. You had all the porn of sin. You had everything, all the gear, all the clothes, all the music, all the entertainment. You had everything that characterized your life of sin was upon you. And when that blood was applied to your life, God broke those chains and he set you free. But what happens is a lot of times, a lot of Christians, a lot of newborn Christians, before they start heading to try to serve God, they'll try to pick up all the stuff that they had amassed in the world and they carry it on their shoulders. And when they come to God and God says, I want you to serve me in this way, their, their hands are full and they've got it all packed on their shoulders and they're not free to serve God. Why? Because they're still bound by Egypt. Uh, there, there are some who, who get freed from Egypt, but then they, they, they think that they can continue shacking up with, with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And so they go to church on Sunday, but then they go home and have relations with that person, thinking that it's okay with God, that God accepts their service. There are some who, who, who would think, well, I, I can go to church, and I can, I can shout amen to the sermon, and I can be excited about that, but then go home and scream at and verbally abuse my wife. There are some who think that way. There are some who think that they can come and they can sing the songs, they can lift up the hand and they can worship God. But then when they go and get out in their car on the way home, they pop in the Snoop Dogg or the Taylor Swift and the Eminem and they just start filling their mind with everything that is filthy, everything that is wretched, everything that is wicked, all the gear of their old life. But I can still serve God. No, listen, you can't serve God if you aren't living in obedience to God. If you're trying to hold on to everything from your past sinful life, you're going to have a really hard time taking steps forward and, and unleashing those burdens and having your hands free to serve God when your hands are so full of things you used to serve. 
No, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that you are free from sin. That you are to put off the old man and to put on the new man. That's God's plan for your life. In this journey, you've got the departure and you've got the arrival, but in this journey to make it from there to there, you've got to lay off the old man. You've got to put off the old sin. You've got to leave Egypt in the dust if you're really going to be able to serve God. That stuff will influence you in ways that you can't serve God. It might be a relationship, might be friendship. It, might, it could be anything from your old life is going to keep you from serving God in your new life. God told Israel, I'm bringing you out. You know what happened? They collected some gods along the way. They put them in their packs. They began to make their way through the wilderness and as soon as they get to Mount Sinai, while Moses is up there, they make a calf. After the Egyptian god Kafter, they fell down and worshipped and danced. They went back to the old, disgusting, immoral systems of Egyptian worship. And then when they're in the land of promise, Joshua says, Look, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But your houses are full of gods. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you got to get those gods out of your life. No, listen, you cannot serve God unless you leave Egypt behind. And so if you're going to make this journey from the departure to the arrival, the first two things God tells us is this. You got to be saved by the blood. Number two, you got to leave Egypt behind. But I also want you to notice, number three, that to serve God, you must formally join the community of faith. Would you look with me at verse 43? And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. You know what he calls it? Look back at verse 25. We read this at the end of verse 25, that ye shall keep this service. And so when we're talking about the ordinance of the Passover, we are talking about a sacred service to God. We are talking about the arrival point. But look what he says at the end of verse 43. There shall no stranger eat thereof. What God is going to do here is he's going to place some restrictions upon who can participate in the sacred service of God. And he says, no outsider shall participate in the service of God. And he's going to give a, a few examples of, of them here. He talks about the stranger there at the end of verse 43. That would be a protected citizen. That is somebody from the mixed multitude who has decided, I'm leaving Egypt behind. I've been saved by the blood of the lamb. I'm leaving Egypt in my past and I'm going with Israel and I'm going with their God. My mind goes to Ruth who told Naomi, she was a Moabitess and she told Naomi, where you go, I will go and your God will be my God. That's what we're talking about. A, 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 a stranger here. There's somebody who intends to stay with Israel forever. That's their plan. That's their intention. And then you look at verse 44 and it says, every man's servant a servant which is bought with money. What this would be is talking about a bond servant. It's somebody who has agreed to settle a debt that, that you'll pay my debt off and I'll serve you. I'll live with you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to serve you in exchange for a living place, for the payment of my debt, and for the provision of my food. That's a bond servant. And then he's going to talk about a, a foreigner. And the word foreigner is different than the word stranger. A foreigner is a temporary resident. It'd be somebody without citizenship. The idea of the foreigners, they're part of that mixed multitude. Maybe they've been saved by the blood of the lamb. Uh, may, maybe they have left Egypt behind, but what they have not done is they have not formally joined the people of God that they remain an outsider. They don't have any intention to continue with Israel. They saw Israel as a way out. They saw the God of Israel as a way out of Egypt, but they had no intention of going forward with God and going forward with Israel. That's in verse 45, the foreigner. And then at the end of verse 45, he talks about a hired servant. That'd be like an employee, that there's somebody who went with them to make money. <laughs> 
that that was it. So here's the real idea that you get. The strangers and the bond servants would be those who intended to go forward with Israel on a permanent basis. The foreigner and the hired servant would be somebody who goes with Israel until it's no longer convenient. They don't, they don't desire to assimilate. They don't desire to go into the community. And so with that in mind, let's look at what these verses say. So the end of verse 43 says, there shall no stranger eat thereof. We'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 44, but every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. And so those who are bond servants, they must be circumcised. And we'll explain that here in just a minute, but they've got to be circumcised before they participate in the sacred service. But then he says in verse 45, a foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. And there's no exception to that. Why? They're outsiders. They have no intent to ever be circumcised. They have no intent to ever go forward with God's people. Eventually they're going to leave. They're just there temporarily. But look at verse 46. It says, in one house shall it be eaten, talking about the Passover lamb. Thou shalt not uh, carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. Can I remind you that not a bone of Jesus' body was broken? That's why they were not to break a bone of the lamb. It was the picture of how Jesus would be our Passover. But I want you to notice verse 47. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. This sacred service belongs exclusively to the community of faith. Not just everyone who believes, the community, the congregation, the nation. Now look at verse 48. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover of the Lord. So now you've got the one who intends to assimilate, the one who desires to stay with Israel as a permanent protected citizen. He says, when they come and they want to keep the Passover, look what it says. Let all his males be circumcised. Then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one born in the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is home born and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. You know what this is saying? That God does not restrict sacred service based on social class, based on ethnicity. That's not what this is talking about. He says that the issue here in particular is circumcision. Why is circumcision a big deal? Because God told Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, that the sign of his covenant relationship with Abraham and his descendants would be the circumcision of the males. It would differentiate them from the Canaanites and the Egyptians and all the other nations. And so that was the sign of the covenant. And so for you to participate in this sacred service... You had to formally perform the sign of your relationship with God and his people. Let me put it this way. I've got my, my passport here. And on this passport, it's got my picture. It's me, my name, date of birth, my ID, and, and all that information. It's also got the formal seal of the United States of America on it. So if I'm in a foreign country and, and, I, and I'm in trouble, I'm going to run to the U.S. Embassy and I'm going to show them my passport. My passport's my proof of citizenship. My passport says, I, I am not just uh, some random dude coming up here claiming citizenship. No, here's the proof. I am a citizen. This means I have all the rights of an American citizen, that, that I have the right of passage here, and, and I have the right to speak to you, and I have the right to be on this property. And so there are certain rights that come with the proof of your citizenship. For the nation of Israel, the proof of their citizenship, their passport was circumcision, that it was what was required for them to be accepted into the people of God. And so now you've got these foreigners, you've got these strangers, this mixed multitude of Arabs and Persians and, and, and Asians and Egyptians and Africans. You've got this mixed multitude. You know what God has said? I'm going to make provision for those nations to have a proof of citizenship. 
See, God was not just all about Israel. He was a missionary God from the very beginning of time. His desire is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to assimilate a people of every kindred and tongue and tribe and nation. That's what we're emphasizing this month on Global Impact Month, is that God's plan is for every sinner from every social class and every ethnicity to be saved by the blood. And not just for them to be saved by the blood, but for them to go on and serve God. And you know what he's done? He's made a pathway for that to happen. He said, if they make up their mind, I want to serve this God who brought me out of Egypt. I'm going to provide a way for even them to participate in the Passover. And so circumcision was their passport. It was what made them formal citizens of the nation of Israel. We need to understand something here. Circumcision is not salvation. They've already been saved. Why? Because they believed God and they did what God said. They'd been saved the same way that you and I were by the blood of the lamb and by their faith in God. See, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That was long before he was ever circumcised. Circumcision was what marked him as identifying with God as his people. And so God tells this mixed multitude, if you want to serve me, there's a journey that must be taken. You got to be saved by the blood of the lamb. You got to leave Egypt behind and you got to formally join the community of faith. For us, joining the community of faith, praise the Lord, is not circumcision. <laughs> joining the community of faith it is not it is not some national ethnic thing. That's not our passport. What's our passport? Baptism. Baptism. Once you've been saved by the blood of the lamb, you leave Egypt behind. You are baptized formally into the community of faith. A community cannot exist all around the world. A community is a congregation. God has nothing in his mind about a universal, invisible church that once you get saved and you're baptized, you're part of this big old massive church. You're part of the family of God, but just being part of the family of God, being around God's people, being seated in the pews with God's people, walking down the road with God's people doesn't give you the right to sacred service. Do you see what we're talking about here? God is unchanging. He is eternal. In his mind, it's always worked the same. For a person to participate in the sacred service and worship of God, they not only had to be saved by the blood of the lamb, they had to leave Egypt behind and they had to have their passport. And so what we're talking about is this, that for you to participate in the sacred service of God, you must be a formal member of a local New Testament church. How do you become a member of a local New Testament church? Baptism. It is your public identification of your faith in Jesus Christ. Wait, so what's this thing about membership? Just because I'm baptized, now I'm just part of all the church. So I could just go to some other church and, and, and be a member there and participate in all the sacred service and worship there, right? Uh, no. That's not the expression that God has in mind. This local church body is the expression of God's people in Boulder, Colorado. This is the physical expression. And so what that means is when you change locales and you go from one city to another city and you become a part of another church, you can't just automatically engage in sacred service there without joining that community of faith. Let me just ask you, why should you be able to serve in the sacred service of God if you're unwilling to identify with his people? If you're, un if you're unwilling to be baptized, first of all, and to publicly identify with your faith in Christ. No, God's got a God-ordained journey from departing Egypt to serving him. And part of that is baptism. Why should you uh, be able to uh, handle church money if you're not committed to that community of faith? 
Or I should be able to count money and and drop off deposits and be trusted in that way if you're not willing to come under the accountability of a local church. Why should you be able to stand up on a platform and, and represent a congregation that you've not committed yourself to? or pass the plates, or, 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 or uh, you know, just participate in ways of sacred service. Hey, can I give a very practical application here when it comes to observing the Lord's Supper? You see this in the Old Testament as well. I've preached on this, going to the Lord's Supper back in, in April, that, that we believe here in closed communion. What does that mean? That saved and baptized members of this local church may observe the Lord's Supper. On what basis? There's a host of New Testament basis, but because we're right here, what is the Passover? The Passover was the memorial ceremony of the death of the lamb that provided salvation for Egypt. What is the Lord's Supper? It is a memorial of the death of the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world that provided salvation for us. And what did God say back then? That to participate in this sacred service, you must be a formal member of the community of faith. Why would it be any different today than it was back then if God wrote it with today in mind? It's part of it. So let me bring this to a head here. To every journey we take, there's a departure and an arrival. And in your life, the departure is from serving sin. The arrival is serving him. And the space between the departure and the arrival is a God-ordained journey. And that journey we see tonight is this. You must be saved by the blood of the lamb. You must leave Egypt in your past and you must formally join the community of faith. So the question for us tonight is this, where are you at in your life? Where are you at? Have you been saved by the blood of the lamb? If not, you're still chained. You're still shackled. Sin is still your master. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And if you will place your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection as the payment for your sin, you can be saved by the blood of the lamb. Those chains can be broken. You can be freed. And if you need to be saved tonight, get saved. Get saved. Trust Christ. Might be you still have Egypt in your life. Might be there's some old substances in your life. Some old addictions in your life. Some old systems of worship in your life. Some old ways of thinking. Some old relationship. Some old friendships. Some old music. Some old jokes. Some old language. Some, some old vice. Well, if you've got that, I should have brought like a whole bunch of junk <laughs> no, 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 no. to just hold on to, you know? No, no, no. That's okay. If you got all that in your hands and on your shoulders, it's going to weigh you down so heavily that serving God won't be possible. It's, but here's what you can do. If you'll take all that junk and lay it at the altar, repent. You know what that means? Turn. It means stop going back to your departure. Turn around and get going towards your arrival. If you'll repent and confess those sins before God, that his blood will again cover those sins and he'll free you and you can lay those burdens and those chains and shackles and stalks at the altar of repentance and you can be free, your hands can be free, your mind can be free, your eyes can be free to go and serve God the way he intends you to. But you gotta let Egypt go. And you can do that tonight. Have you been baptized yet? Have you yet formally joined the community of faith? 
Well, let me just say this. You can't join the community of faith if you're still living in Egypt. There are some relationships that got to either be broken or steps taken toward marriage before you can formally join the community of faith. You can't be a, a good standing member of the community of faith if alcohol is a part of your life, if drugs are a part of your life, if other sin is part of your life. Because what that's showing is this, you can, the whole point of being a part of this community of faith is to end at the arrival spot where you're serving God faithfully. But you can't make it there till you've been saved by the blood of the lamb until you left Egypt behind. But if you're willing to lay Egypt at the altar, you can be baptized. You can join the church. And once you join the church, you can get hooked in and start serving the Lord the way he intends you to. There's a departure and an arrival. And there's a God-ordained journey between. And until you take that journey with God, you can't really serve him. So my challenge to you tonight is this. Get saved. Leave Egypt in your past. And join the community of faith. And start serving God. Father, we come to you tonight grateful once again for your word. I'm thankful that it is so relevant to us that we can go back to an ancient text of scripture and still have your mind on your work today. It's what you've given us. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that has not yet trusted Christ, I pray tonight would be the night that they would confess their sins, place their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and call on him for salvation, that they might be free. I pray if there are some that need to lay Egypt at the altar, I pray they'd make that decision. And I pray if there are some who need to be baptized or need to formally join themselves to this local New Testament church, I pray that they too would make that decision. So again, Give us open hearts and minds. And I pray that if we really pray that prayer, speak to me and I'll do what you say, that we would take action tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.